Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the PWF Empire Podcast. Jay here along with Cass and Dalton. Sound. Ashes from the past or the right on cue. The future is now. You can't wait till another goes down. Kid, right? Yeah, I know my path of destruction, and I'm here, right? Yeah, it's a quiet. quiet. I, I love his theme. Shout out to Tyson Kid. I, I love that dude. You know, I, I, I seriously do miss seeing him on TV. Yeah. I was just talking about him the other day with somebody on uh, Wrestling Inc. Because they were they were saying something about Total Divas. Like, there's this thing that WWE won't let Tyson Kid on Total Divas, and the guy said something to the effect of, oh, he didn't need to be on that show anyway. And I was like, well, shit, Total Divas is one of the reasons why I became a Tyson Kidd fan. You have that and NXT, like that great run that he had in NXT, and he basically brought that character from down there up to the main roster. He got into that partnership with Cesaro, and I fucking loved that team. That was really underrated. I think Tyson Kidd and Cesaro were super underrated, and like I'll give Natty credit too. I think both Tyson Kidd and Natty really revamped their characters in the last like little the set of their career. Did. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I really enjoyed them, and I think like he as a talent was really underappreciated. Did you guys happen to see his tweets that he um they they went around last week and somebody asked him something to the effect of like why won't you be on Total Divas this season? And basically he said. Well, WWE, for reasons I can't release right now, won't let me on the show. But trust me, they don't want me talking about what's why I'm not going to be there. Mm-hmm. So, all in due time, I think we're going to hear something from you know a little birdie. But I think it's really unfortunate either way. Yeah, I keep hearing stories about him. People going back and forth. He's uh, he won't wrestle again. Well, he yeah, will not that, wrestle again. That's what I keep hearing. But officially. Nothing has been said yet. We we had one of uh, Bret Hart's brothers going out there, the um the the loony one, the older yeah. one. Yeah, the the loony one. <laughs> that, I think that narrows it down, right? It, it it does. Every you you all know what I'm talking about. Is it Smith Hart? I think it's Smith. I think it's he's got like two last names for a name. <laughs> but yeah, um. I, there was that one point where he basically said that Tyson Kidd was retired, and Tyson was like, I don't even speak to that motherfucker. I don't know what he's talking about. But, um, yeah, so for the show today, we're going to be doing things differently than we usually do. I put out a challenge to Dalton and Cass to come up with some topics. Yeah, because he has to mess with his fellow uh, cast members, but that's around the board. Of course, I got to keep you, know you what? guys on your toes. On on our toes. You know what this challenge was about? You were too lazy to watch either show, so let's just make no. us come up with the content. No, not <laughs> at all. That is not the case at all. You guys know with this show, I wanted things to be chill. I wanted it to be laid back. I want this show to basically be like a conversation that we would have off air. I didn't want it there to be any format, so... Me being the thinking man that I am over the last few weeks, I saw that we were like falling into a pattern where it's like, okay, let's talk about Goldberg from Raw. Let's talk about James Ellsworth from SmackDown. Then we you mean to- you mean that no chin douchebag that nigga? Why is he for some reason still on my television screen? <laughs> 
Yes, that guy, Cash. Yes. So I, I felt like we were like falling into a a pattern, and I wanted to shake things up a little bit. So I put out the challenge to you guys, and you all accepted the challenge. Dalton accepted it, even though he didn't even know what the hell was going on. Yeah. <laughs> you sent me a message on Twitter. It's like say, talking about non-wrestling topics. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. We can talk about wrestling on the wrestling show. Yeah, we can still do that. So um, let's see what you got. You want to go first, Cass, or you want me to go? Dalton, you go, because I've been put on the spot on this show way too much. So go ahead. <laughs> oh, you're so kind. Okay, well, first thing I have on the ledger is a complaint that I have with general booking is that there's this assumption that for a woman's match, a female superstars match, whatever you'd like to call it, it has to be marketed as marketed as if it's going to revolutionize something to be relevant. My question to, I guess, the writing team, the powers that be in any wrestling promotion, WWE included, is why is it that now that we're in this age where we're kind of introducing the idea that women's matches um, have more relevance because of you know the Divas Revolution or whatever we would would have called that, <laughs> the Women's Revolution. <laughs> there you go, Cass. My question is, why is it that every time these matches are introduced on commentary, the narrative is always that these women are revolutionizing something because it's the first women's Hell in a Cell match. It's the first women's match in 10 years using weapons. I mean, it's a great image to see something out of the ordinary from a women's match, but why is it that they always have to be revolutionary? Why can't we just appreciate a good match? You know what? I'm actually going to defend the Monday Night Raw writing team in this case. And this is very important, actually, because it's all about presentation and how you promote something and how you market it. One of my big issues with WWE today is that nothing really feels special. You can look at Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg, and there's something about that that feels special that, like, I can't miss this. And you can tell by the narrative that WWE sets going into a match like that, that on their minds, they know this is an attraction. They know they want people to watch this. They know they want people to consume this in a certain way. And you look at what's going on with the Universal Championship, ain't a goddamn thing special about that. You look at what's going on with the, the, the World Championship and how they've put James Ellsworth, as a cast would call him, the no-chin douchebag exactly. and other things. The, the, the other fact that they have him, have him in that arena of the World Championship, that doesn't feel special either. What they're doing with the women over on Monday Night Raw, I can definitely say it feels as if it is some big presentation. It feels as if this is we literally are watching history in the making and it adds another layer to what they do in the ring and the talent that they bring to the table so i actually appreciate the approach of course it does need to be balanced you can't go too overboard with it and we've seen them go overboard sometimes where they wash out the people the story that they're telling and the talent that they bring to the table for history's sake but striking the right balance is very important. And for like what they did on Raw, I think that they did strike the right balance. Yeah. I, I, 
God, like this, this is so tough for me to talk about because it's like it, it's one of those situations like where if you're not because the thing you have the uh, fans out there, the people who are actually for women's wrestling in the women's revolution, and then you have the so-called fans out there that pretend to appreciate the importance of the women's revolution. Unfortunately, you do have those fans out there, so it's kind of like. Give me the an old, example of one of those pretenders. Like I, I'm trying to like understand what you're talking about. Like the people, like here's the thing. Like they'll say, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. Like, I can't wait to see this match. And then it's like in the back of their minds, it's like they're hoping it fails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope this fails so we can just go back to the whole push package release and just like just go ahead That's and hateful. just get back and just get back to same old shit. And I, I completely understand what you're talking about now because I know for sure there are some folks out there like um, when the things happen with the women, for example, like Hell in a Cell, when that happened, all of a sudden Ooh. you get a lot of folks who come out and they're like, oh, well, I heard that this match was going to be revolutionary and, you know, that wasn't all that special. That wasn't all that exciting. It's like they set the bar so goddamn high and they're like, if you're doing all of these things for these women, it better be the best match ever. It better be the the best feud ever. This better be mm-hmm. one of the best matches of the year. It's like, they can't just go out there and have a main event and it be a solid main event. And maybe Dalton, like a standard. That, yeah, it, maybe that plays into what you were talking about too, Dalton, because it's like, since WWE is hyping it up so much, it puts into people's minds, or at the very least, it allows them to enter mm. into that conversation of adding on these unreasonable standards where it's like, if yeah. you don't hit this mark, then it's automatically a failure, and we the experiment is over. It's done. We can go back to business as usual. And then don't, like, don't, I'll go ahead, hey, yeah, Dom, not to me to cut you off, my man, but it's just um, also add on to another point. It's just like we're so used to not seeing these women in given matches so very frequently. That also goes – that's also another aspect because it's like, again, isn't it? I'm for the women's revolution by far. And, again, like I'm, I'm always going to be concerned with these given matches with the women, but here's the thing. It's like – an in order for us to actually like get some movement and get this like moving forward, we have to allow these women to get themselves like ready for these given matches, like learn how to take bumps in these given matches, like learn how to incorporate stories when, when you're using weapons or you're using a structure. So it's like in order for us to like have some uh, movement and going forward, we got to allow these women to progress and not worry so much, so much, whatever they're doing them. And that's where I think the progression is somewhat halted on the on the part where, if you notice, the women, at least on commentary's sake, because this most of my point is aimed at commentary, not so much the fans' perceptions of what's going on. But if you mm-hmm. notice, the women that they usually circle this around are those who are in the women's championship feud, and at this point, that's Charlotte just Sasha and Charlotte. And, and that's not that is not to in any way downgrade their popularity or what they've done in the company, no. because they're certainly deserving of what I would consider um, to be a revolutionary feud. Like, I honestly believe the next contemporary feud that will be featured on WWE's rivals will be Sasha and Charlotte, and rightfully so. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, time, if you watch SmackDown and watch Alexa Bliss and Becky... You see everybody. 
Yeah, like everybody is given a fair chance, and I, and I you you could argue well some of the women on Raw don't have a character or don't have a very established character. They're not they don't have a whole lot of backing, and it's the it's it's hard to differentiate where that revolutionary title is giving Sasha and Charlotte the push, and where the lack of a character on the other women's half is is it because we're just not supposed to assume they're revolutionary? Like I feel like it's. It's deserved on one hand because we know that they're talented women, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's kind of also propaganda. And I think the big thing now is going to be how Sasha and Charlotte interact with the rest of the division. Because as good as this feud has been, and as we awesome as some of these matches have been, it's about time that we bring a close to Sasha Banks and Charlotte, and then they're going to go on their separate ways, and Sasha is going to have her feud with someone from another part of the division, and then Charlotte, she's going to have her feud, and I think that is going to be the real story. Once you get out of the orbit of two superstars colliding with each other, Mm -hmm. can Sasha Banks stand on her own as a superstar? Can what she brings to the table elevate someone else to the level of a superstar to where she has more than one uh, challenger, you know, other than Charlotte. And can the same be said for Charlotte as well? And that's going to be the big test going forward. But the same conversations that we're having right now about it being pretty heavy on top, that's just the way that Monday Night Raw does things. You can look at every single division. You can look at the, the, the men's division. You can look at the tag team division, you can look at the women's division, and you can see a, a replication of the exact same thing. You have it, it's very top heavy, and there's a big drop off once you say that certain name, and it's like okay, the, the divide between this person and that person is as big as the fucking Grand Canyon. <laughs> oh jeez. All right, what else you got? All right, like my a, turn. Yeah, you go ahead, Cass. All right. I guess what the one thing that I came up with is I'm not even like I know we're not talking like the weekly shows or anything that or anything that happened, but it's just this whole I gotta bring up this whole two oh five live thing. I'm not gonna talk I'm not talking about specifically, I'm just gonna incorporate it. Is it time that we stop blaming WWE for most of the failures or should we start putting a little bit more like putting more emphasis on the talent and holding them responsible as much as WWE when it comes to their storylines. Um, what do you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, I mean like, here's like here's an I, I, Again, I'm going to use an example. The Cruiserweights on Monday Night Raw. We upset it. And I'm going to say it again. The Cruiserweights on Raw, the, the whole division, has been shitty. Mm-hmm. It's been very shitty. Brian Kendrick is the only person that has some actual character... And you want to give these guys a 205 live format, you give them that. But when you do the 205 live thing, you have to introduce every single person at the start of the show. And you had a full tournament showcase with the Cruiserweight Classic throughout the summer. Now, again, granted, not everybody has the network, but still... You gave them a platform, you let them run with it, and you actually had some stories and some characters in that tournament. Whereas when you look at this whole thing, I watched 205 Live, 
the Bollywood boys had no barely had any character, even though granted, but they were part of the Cruiserweight Classic as well. I'm just saying it's just the fact of if WWE is willing to give them the platform and the stories at the end of the day, I think we need to actually put more like show some more standards when it comes to the talent. Like if they're not mm-hmm. willing to be entertaining or if these vanilla midgets aren't willing to have any kind of charisma <laughs> or like character, at the end of the day, it all falls on the talent. WWE can give you the they give you the platform. They can give you the stories. They can give you the scripts. They can be as terrible as the Batman and Robin movie and people you know which <laughs> one I'm talking about. But they can give you all of that. But if you're not if you don't have the skill set enough to go out there and turn chicken chicken side out of chicken shit, then it's like who do you who do we blame the most? WWE themselves or the performers? So, so what I think I, I see your point, Cass. It's it's hard to say it's um, strictly one person, one party's fault or the other. Because yes, WWE did give them a platform that they can stand out on. Um, but they've been done no favors leading up to having this platform. Because even when they the cruiserweights were featured on Raw, they were clearly every week being put in a death spot. Um, and I don't know if that's because the powers that be look at them as uh, a non-important commodity. But that certainly shouldn't be how they're looked at. I think when you have cruiserweights who are capable of high-flying action, who can actually tell stories in the ring using their bodies, um, you need to put them in a position where they're uh, an eye-catcher, an eye-opener, if you will. And personally, having a show like 205 Live, like the live portion isn't really the issue for me. It's the fact that they go on after what most people would assume are the star players. Mm-hmm. At that point, at 11 o'clock, I'm assuming it's 11 o'clock, yeah. At that point, the people that are in the arena watching the live shows are Get bound the heck to leave. Out of here. And and I'm sure you guys have uh, heard the heard the news already that uh, when 205 Live went uh, started doing their show after SmackDown um, went off the air, people in the arena started leaving. And a lot of the tweets that I was seeing from disgruntled fans were saying those who were left are mostly drunk. And while yeah, while, the fat fucks. Yeah, I, I, we don't we don't know how big they are, Cass. Well, they can be skinny and drunk, but I mean, well, there was a camera, a few cameras out there. But you know. well, I mean, maybe, but in, in any event, I <laughs> in any event, like I think it's a I think it's a dual thing. Like I don't think it's strictly the superstars' fault. Clearly, if they if they don't have any charisma, like if what they're showing in the ring doesn't come off the way it's intended to, then clearly some of the fault does fall on them. But at the same time, you're not doing them any favors by putting them in a position where no one's going to be willing to watch. Um, Because when you have this kind of issue, you have to be proactive about going against the status quo. You have to be proactive in breaking down the, uh, the visual barrier to entry, if you will, such that the cruiserweights aren't worth watching. Because they are. It's just that you treat them as if they aren't. And we know that's not true. The problem is, this raw run that they had because it's like you come out of the cruiserweight classic with so much fire so much interest and the cruiserweights and they were a fucking flop on raw and then it's like you have weeks or actually months months of them on monday night raw as a flop and then you expect people oh hey you know these guys that you've been watching for the last two months 
on Raw and not do a motherfucking thing, we're going to take all that stuff and put it on a show on its own. <laughs> um, so dumb. So dumb. I, Are we on Swerved? Yeah, this, <laughs> this is like a prank from Swerved or something like that. But back to your original point, Cass, it's very clear uh, to the fans, I believe, when it's an issue with the storytelling or what management does and what management gives you versus when you know the talent fucked up. Like, I know we're not supposed to talk about it, but if I wanted to talk about some specific things from 205 Live and, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the fact that that <laughs> promo that Drew Gulak and Tony Nese cut after their match was Good I'm not going to talk about the fact that that was absolutely yeah. horrid. Terrible. Yeah, but, yeah, but I'm just yeah, but again, it's just like I'm just I feel as if just as a fan, I'm just so sick and tired. Me personally, and credit to Chase Oliver, um, I gotta give him credit. And I agree with him on this, and I do agree with him. Like, I'm just sick, sick and tired as a fan, also because it's just like, yes, I mean WWE, they're the they're definitely one of the main problems, but it's just like we just don't put, we really don't put a lot of standards on the talent, and like I said. We say this all the time. You can be good in the ring all you want, but if you can't go out there and cut a damn promo and get the crowd engaged, then what you do in the ring doesn't mean jack shit. And I think this definitely applies here. It's like you can have these, I love the Cruiserweights, but again, these short vanilla midgets, they can do all the flippy shit all they want. It can get a good, it can get a good pop, but it's just, if you have no defined character... WWE gives you the platform. They give you the ring. They give you the story. But if you can't, like, speak up and give your own character or your own perspective on something, then is WWE really to blame? Or is it your, or are you not to blame for being such a lazy ass? Yeah, and I think the perfect example of what you're talking about, a success story, would be someone like Kevin Owens. Mm-hmm. I cannot stand the position that WWE currently has Kevin Owens in because I believe that he's worth so much more than that, but he's so goddamn good at what he does. And Kevin Owens has been the person I would refer to him in the past as the Teflon Don, because it doesn't matter what WWE gives him. He's going to breathe life, life into it. He's going to be entertaining and he's going to do something that makes it certain that people are entertained by Kevin Owens. Now, you do run into a problem with a person like me, because a lot of folks, they're just like, oh, well, shit, I find Kevin Owens funny, and that's all he needs to be. I find Kevin Owens entertaining. But I'm like, well, don't you want the guy to be a badass? Don't you want him to be legit? Don't you think that he's (laughs) worthy of being a tough Isaiah Ross says in Isaiah Ross is saying in the chat, Kevin Owens is a glorified Mick Carter. Mm. Well, to be quite honest, Every main eventer on yeah uh, is a goal. Yeah. <laughs> so to to Jay's point about uh, a champion or not even a champion, let's just take a superstar. If a superstar can give you comedy, but also legitimately convince you that they're a badass and they're a force to be reckoned with, that's basically. And if they've got it in the ring too, that's basically a total package. And I think Kevin Owens very much exemplifies that because. You could argue Kevin Owens was almost pushed through the machine, not so much in that we hot-shotted him with a title and mm-hmm. made him a corporate champion, but clearly if 
the Kevin Owens, or sorry, if Kevin Steen were to show up on, you know, Raw and were to get have no filter, say exactly what he wants to say, we would see a stark difference between him and what we see on Monday. And that's not uh, Mondays. That's not to say that what we're getting from Kevin Owens is bad in any way, but it's very clear that Owens very much took what WWE wanted and molded it to his own uh, strengths, which is why he, along with Chris Jericho, I would say, are two of the most entertaining characters we see every week, sometimes in what is very much a bleak show. Um, and well, you see, for me, he doesn't even need to go as far back to, to Kevin Steen. Should go back to NXT Kevin Owens. Yeah, and, I, I keep saying it. Bring that guy back. Yeah, and, and for me, when I see Kevin Owens and what he's doing, um, that is it's not adequate. It, it it doesn't foot the bill, but at the very least, I understand why people oh my are God. entertained by him. I just I should I just wish oh, oh, people expected more. Oh come on, Isaiah! Like now you're going too far. He said he'd be better off feuding with r Truth and Kalisto. I'm like, get the you get the hell out of here with that shit. So while while we're talking about characters or uh, superstars who kind of miss the mark for you know arguably similar reasons, I have another point. Um, when the champion or champions are used for comedic fodder, obviously most of us feel like that devalues the title. And I think AJ Styles, Mr. WWE Champion, um, fits that bill. It's the, I'm in such a crossroads with his dealing with Ellsworth, and I'm not going to talk about how Ellsworth was carried off on a stretcher. I, say, I said I wouldn't, so I'm not going to. God, that was that was one of the best wrestling moments I've for ever what, seen. Thank God for what, Cass? What happened? Thank God that no chain douchebag, that nigga is finally on my goddamn TV screen. His <laughs> skinny, fat ass has That's finally right over his left head. the building. Get get Dixworth off my TV. Oh God! Oh my gosh! Forever. Any- I'm done. I, I opened the door to I opened Pandora's box and Cass came out. Um, well, anyway, when a champion is used for comedic fodder, I have a problem with it. And in the case of AJ Styles, I have enjoyed I have absolutely enjoyed everything he's been doing with James Ellsworth, and I understand the criticism. And it, yeah, that guy, that guy, whoever that is, um, I've I've enjoyed all of his dealings with that with that gentleman over there that. But just because I've enjoyed it doesn't necessarily mean that it's where I think the title should be because I've, I've found it funny because I think AJ is one of those, um, what do you call it, like invincible people where he can give you funny and still be a legitimate badass because he backs it up in the ring. And shoot, mm-hmm. he's, beat up, he's beat up Mr. Who every single week, and it's been hilarious. The issue I have is that you're the champion. You're supposed to be the face of a division. You're supposed to be mm-hmm. carrying the company on your back. And you're tripping in the ring and getting your foot caught in the ropes and being a bumbling idiot. And it's to the point where, why is it that every single person that the title gets put on besides a certain Samoan has to look like a dumbass? Because WWE feels as if all their champions either need to be chicken shit heels or stupid ass baby faces. Unless you're, you know, a part-timer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but notice that the part-timers already had a tangible character because they were brought up in an era before this kind of booking was really prevalent. See, this is what we need, a fucking time machine. 
just go back, have Roman Reigns compete in a few matches in like 1999, and everybody would love him. You know, do that for uh, he'd few probably months. be like. Even though the year of '95 is one of the worst years in wrestling, go back and watch. If he did that, he'd probably be like 20 years old and a lot slimmer. I'm not sure how that would work out. But well, it's just I, like, he, he he could work it out. It's just the way that every single champion <laughs> and when I, <laughs> I I guess like I guess I'm I'm just gonna include like all champions in general in WWE. That gets true. Like they just feel as if they need to be chicken shit heels or baby faces who do not have street smarts in wrestling. Like, like seriously, it's just like nobody wants to cheer for somebody who's an idiot or somebody who isn't like smart in terms of crap in the rain. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, we see outside interference like all the time, but yet they're so focused on that than winning the goddamn match. And yeah, I know and it's one of those. Go ahead, go ahead. That, that's a very tough thing too when they do things in an effort to build sympathy. Mm-hmm. And you're looking like, you dumb motherfucker. Why did you fall for th- How? Like, I, and, and, and you just sit there like, no, I, I, I can't cheer for that. You need to get your ass beat for falling for that mess. You deserve to lose. Like, he's right behind you waiting to give you a schoolboy. What are you doing? <laughs> like, and that, oh, and those oh. awkward moments where you can tell that they're waiting for a cue or something mm-hmm. like that, and they just stand there like, yeah, what, what? And then they turn around and, you know. Well, get, I know. God. You want to know who's the perfect the perfect champion to are the examples of this? The goddamn fuck screw the New Day. They are the perfect examples because these guys are some cheating black son of a bitches. Because <laughs> they have just what? gone straight back to their heel ways and and get this, you realize that the New Day has been here for two years now? Like, last week was their anniversary, the year that, that they that they debuted. Um, screw you, Ben. Like the first months, over. though. Are you, you're, you're not counting the part where they actually debuted as a heel, are you? Oh, no. Like, when they actually, like, debuted on that random SmackDown episode facing uh, Slater, uh, O'Neal, and Curtis Axel. Yeah, I don't count that one. I, I count when they turn heel. Oh, that was, you feel the power. You feel the power. You feel, you feel it. This shit, Biggie. But, yeah, like they're, they're obviously the perfect examples because it's like they cheat, but yet people cheer that. And, and I'm like, you guys do not get that these black motherfuckers who wear dildos on their damn heads are your tattoo champions, and they are cheating against a babyface team. And aren't the, both these teams supposed to be baby faces? So why in the blue fuck are you cheering for the baby faces who cheated? Please, somebody, explain this to me. Because ironically, a face team that cheats has more charisma than a bad guy who just looks like a dumbass. I mean, think about it. The Miz, who is a clear-cut heel by all accounts, has his wife. Uh, interfere in every single match. Right, and I chick Maurice. Yes. Thank you, thank you. She she comes through when she needs to. You know, mm-hmm. she's like Patrick Ewing in the fourth quarter. She comes through, and he makes his way out. And funny enough, well, I, not everybody cheers the Miz, but I would say I would argue the Miz is probably getting the most positive reaction he's had in his whole career, as far as like his whole compendium of work. This is unquestionably, in my opinion, his best work. And he's a clear-cut heel, but he's somebody we cheer for because 
even though he's a smarmy, self and you know self important entitled athlete. You know what? I, I just thought of something. The Miz. You know who he represents? He represents a millennial heel. And what I mean by that is that with the Miz's character, there's like a sense of entitlement in that he's always approaching Daniel Bryan saying, you need to do something about my title shot. You know, I deserve this, this, and this. And it's not just because his character. What a new contract. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not just mm-hmm. because his, uh, his character is, you know, a, uh, a C-list actor. It's that, oh. <laughs> it's that, like, he actually, in my opinion, represents a lot of what the stereotype of millennial culture is. And I think whether he's hated or liked, that's why he has such charisma, and that's why he's looked to as a polarizing figure. And he gets cheered. So No, I don't think The Miz gets cheered. No, no, I, I, he, does, he does against the right person. He did against Ziggler. No, I, I don't think no, so. Like. <laughs> that's, I, that's honestly one of the reasons why I appreciate The Miz so much to, is because he doesn't really give a damn about getting cheered. He goes out there and he plays his character effectively, and I think that he gets heat because of it. I don't think he's trying to get cheered. I think he knows his goal is to get booed. That is his, that is his MO. But, you know, whether it's the efficacy of his character or the smarkiness of the crowd, I think he mm-hmm. still gets cheered because we just appreciate the work he's putting in. See, you, you're, you're ruining it for me. No. Yeah, we're supposed I'm to hate a doing. goddamn cheer. When it comes to the Miz, I no, not at oh, all. That's way, one. Um, that's one of the guys that I I look to, and it's like you like like you said his um his like thank you MO for being a heel. is to get booed, and he's not one of those cool type heels that it's like the nudge nudge wink wink. I'm the bad guy who's really the just a cool good guy, and I want you to cheer me and all of that stuff. Like I look at the Miz as a legit. Heel, one of the last vestiges like of Bob. being heel, and oh, they're they're the top. Which they're, by the way, the which which by the way, um, somebody one of the cars asked me who my uh who is my favorite heel right now. Honestly, it's the revival. Yeah, right now, the I revival, they're my favorite heels. Most definitely. What else we got? What else we got? I would say um, the Miz, the revival. Or the revival first, the Miz, and I'm telling you guys, people are sleeping on Baron Corbin. Yeah, I've finally come around. Like I'll admit, I didn't see it at first. Like I shouldn't say I didn't see it. I saw it, but I wasn't as high up as uh, Jay was. But what I appreciate about him is he's one of those rare characters where I wish the same intensity he brings to talking smack would translate. And I don't think that's his fault. I truly think it's the fault of where he gets placed on the card and if he's mm-hmm. in a segment or not, but he's one of those characters. I also believe that his character lends to not being there every week, you know, as if to say like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not even going to show up this week. You know, mm-hmm. who cares if I get paid? It's, it's not important to me. I have nobody good to fight. Um, but Baron Corbin, I'm really enjoying the fact that he is true to form somebody who literally does not give a fuck. Mm-hmm. And he won't he won't let Daniel Bryan upstage him on talking smack. Just because he speaks with so few words doesn't necessarily mean he's lost an argument. He just has he knows what to say in, you know, five words or less if you will. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, um uh, real, real good speaking of Daniel Bryan, I just I just had a great idea. Like how great would it be if the Miz is in the Royal Rumble and Daniel Bryan's music hits? Yes, 
eliminate him. Eliminate him at number eighteen. That would be great. No, 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 like Daniel Bryan's music hits, and everybody thinks it's Bryan, but in actuality, it's the Miz at that number. Oh my that, god, that, that would be fantastic. <laughs> I'd like to see something that that would be fucking That'd hilarious. Be beautiful. That like honestly, Miz may never get cheered if he ever did that. I don't think he will ever. That's like. Do that's it. Like Do Sean, it. That's like Sean teasing Bret Hart in Canada. He'll he'll heat. Oh yeah, man, that would be fucking. Do we awesome. have any, uh, any other topics? Uh, Dalton, did you have another one? I, I have. Just, for let's, oh. let's, let's let Jay go. This is his idea. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead. Last week I asked Cass this question. I'm gonna ask you now. Who's your favorite wrestler of all time? It's a trap. Oh, wait. Why is it a trap? <laughs> Jay, are you talking to me? Your name is Dalton, right? Yeah, I didn't. I, sorry, you cut out. I didn't hear my name. Being oh, called. okay. Well, yes. I asked Cass last week, who's his favorite wrestler of all time? Now it's your turn. Oh, Jesus. See, it's not a hard question because... Uh, it's not a hard question because it may. it's not based on any, difficult, any difficulty for me. It's... It's more of I'm ashamed to give my answer mm. um, because my answer is certainly unconventional and um, it's more so based in nostalgia, not so much uh, a caprendum of what most people would classify as uh, right. objective. Man, he is this like you're it's building not, up the tension. Okay, just go so, ahead. <laughs> but let me just before I answer, let me just say it's who do I think is the best of all time or who's my favorite? Who's your favorite? My favorite is Jeff Hardy. I knew you were going to say that. Well, I mean, <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing with Jeff Hardy. It goes back with me because I've always enjoyed high-flying action. And, you know, I think we were all kids once. And certainly, uh, I would say a good 75% of us as children would see high-flying moves and try to attempt it, you know, jumping off of our couches. I've done many flying time bombs off my uh, parents' dresser onto their bed. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, hey, hey, you want to do it? You want to try a swan time? Try doing like me being on the balcony and just, you just see the trampoline like just like <laughs> right over the edge. Uh, it's awesome. Oh yeah, I used to do backyard wrestling back in the day, jumping off of uh, gates and fucking garages and all kinds. We call of that parkour now. So, <laughs> so like Jeff is the reason. I mean, you could argue all of it. You know, he's got his vices, but shoot. My best friend's favorite wrestler is Shawn Michaels, and we know about his vices. Mm-hmm. Um, but it isn't the fact that I think Jeff's body of work is – like, it's certainly not the most diversified. He clearly fit into a certain market, and he appealed to me because as a kid I wanted to do high-flying stuff. And Jeff is the reason why I learned how to – like, why I got into gymnastics for a while and how I learned how to do, you know, flips and gainers and, and twists and all that stuff. And he's That's actually the reason – He's the reason how why I got into dive team because I was able to combine swimming and you know the acrobatics of what Jeff was doing. So even though Jeff's career is somewhat looked at uh, in shame in the latter half because of his obvious drug usage, except I still for 2008. Except for 2008 when he well, was going no, to the Well, no, see the thing Tyrell. is when you say that, I guess shit. I guess you're talking about the TNA time, but well. Yeah, more so that. Yeah, because we could, like, I can honestly differentiate between Jeff Hardy, the person, and the, you know, some of the shit that he's been through versus Mm -hmm. what he did in the ring. And him in his later years in WWE, I'm telling you, if he had stuck around for just a little bit longer, he would, 
he could have been on the level of a John Cena. I, I would agree. The feeling, just if you look at all of the people who cheered for Jeff Hardy, you had women cheering for Jeff Hardy, oh, you yeah. had men cheering for Jeff Hardy, kids, yeah. all of the weirdos and misfits in between. The, what did he call them? His fans, like the creatures of the night. Like Jeff Hardy had a very diverse fan base, and people fucking loved Jeff Hardy for his misfitness. There were a lot of people who could relate to him and relate to the fact that he wasn't this and lived through him. very well-polished person. He was a weirdo. And, and they could live through him. Respects. And exactly. Yeah. yeah, they used him as a vessel. And that feud Thanks. that he had with CM Punk, that is one of the best modern that was the in WWE. That was the only feud that kept me watching WWE because let me tell you something, people. From 08 to 09, WWE was absolutely shit. Yeah, Reign of, you had the modern day version of Triple H's Reign of Terror in 2008. I mean, you had the edge of Biggie Guerrero's shit on SmackDown. So, yes, thank you, CM. Actually, no, I can't really say your name on this program. But uh, thank you, Jeff Hardy, and that other fat, skinny, fat <laughs> ass dude that we cannot nail in this program. Thank you for at least providing me some entertainment on SmackDown 09 because WWE wasn't giving me that. It's like, if you look at the criteria that most people would consider a um, a main event player, the guy, if you will, does he appeal to a large audience? Men, women, and children. Yes, Jeff Hardy does. Does he have it in the ring? Yes, Jeff Hardy does. Can he carry, no. can he talk on the mic? In his earlier years, I would no. say Jeff Jeff couldn't talk on the mic, and even no. in his latter years, no. Jeff can't talk on the mic. No. <laughs> but Jeff Hardy had the weirdest way of talking. Like, he yeah. would enunciate on the wrong fucking words. Like, he didn't, he didn't talk like a word. human. For the creatures! Uh, <laughs> he put emphasis on the wrong parts of the words, which was kind of funny. But <laughs> even, even at that admission, there was enough else in Jeff's um, resume, if you will, that I could see him if you know if he had kept his act clean and stuck around. I could see him being a main event player today. Currently, the only shoot, the only I think criticism anybody on the inside would have is that he's so fearless. Maybe WWE wouldn't have uh, confidence in backing him in because he does so many stunts. Like mm-hmm. the minute he does, you know, the minute he does another swanton, thirty feet up in the air off the Titantron onto Randy Orton or insert somebody in Randy's place. The minute he does that and gets hurt, well, there goes the main event guy. (laughs) Well, you know, that's something that I hear about a lot these days, but I didn't hear that much back in the days when Jeff Hardy was in WWE about WWE being unsure of people because they're injury prone or they're taking too many risks. Like you'll see stories like that nearly every friggin' week of, oh, WWE is pulling back on this person because they're too injury-prone or they're taking too many risks. I remember people saying it about Sasha Banks. Yeah, back in those days, it, it was like uh, they actually wanted to mean back in those stars. days? That, that is a well, long fucking time. Well, the concussion time. lawsuits didn't hold as much weight as they do today. Like, if you're, you're saying back in those days, Cass, 2009... We talk about Seven. good times back in the day, or like back in the day, like from two, two, two or three years ago. No, back in the day, like 2009. Back. Okay, back there you go. Time. I just had to be clear. In, in wrestling terms, seven years is a long friggin' time. Just look at all the changes <laughs> oh, yeah. that have happened to the business since then. 
Yeah, we got vanilla midgets running around in the ring. Everybody can do the same style. Black people are still being held down in the wrestling ring. I mean, it's fantastic. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> you know not all the midgets are vanilla, right? Like, Lindsay Dorado is not vanilla. Oh, yeah. I, is not vanilla. I love Tony Nese, too, and Drew Gulak, but they ain't doing jack shit. See, the vanilla and vanilla midget does not refer to color. It refers, it refers to, to boring. boring. Yeah. yeah, it refers to nothing out of the ordinary. I don't think – they're not all vanilla. <laughs> yeah. I, Rich Swan, he's definitely not. Oh, by the way, congratulations to Rich Swan on being the new Cruiserweight champion. Can you handle this? Can you handle this? I can, can definitely handle, handle that. Rich Swan is yeah, champion. I can't. Oh, yeah, I can handle that too. Mm-hmm. Shocker, by the way. Yeah. Uh, what else do you guys got? I really have nothing else for the beautiful people. Again, how do you know they're beautiful? <laughs> yeah, this I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I know why you're saying that. You're still worried about those uh, surveys. Yeah, they, are, they, are those? Like, <laughs> how long are those going for? <laughs> they're just gonna go on like indefinitely, just up there. I know I told Cass I was gonna send him his numbers. Yeah, like what the hell was that? What the hell was that? That takes was, like, a lot. I was look. sitting on my Gmail, like like like, like wait for the anticipation, and I'm like, well, you just sitting here the last week, the whole freaking week, just at your computer waiting on me. Look, <laughs> and I this. This last week has been so friggin' hectic for me. I told you guys, I'm just so chill right now. Um, I'm, I'm Why just... Why has that subductive voice for somebody who was subductive. asking in the chat? Subductive? What? Subductive what? voice. Yeah, Isaiah Rossi was asking, why is Jay talking in such a, in such a subductive voice? And I'm like... You know what? I talk like this all if, the time. You know, if you feel that way, sir, then... Um, <laughs> You know, I, I can't help it, but if you feel that way, like maybe you shouldn't be calling him beautiful. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like this week, I, I, I'm like so chill right now. I'm wrapped up in my fucking comforter and I'm just like laid back. I look forward to this weekend so much. You have absolutely no idea. I'm gonna go get me one that you know cheap ass red wine, and I'm yeah, CBS Prime. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it's on this weekend, but no, it's not on. It's off. Everything's yeah. off. You ready to go to calls, guys, or? Um, sure, we can go to some calls now. All right. People. If you would like to call into the show, the call-in number is 347-857-2401. Again, 347-857-2401. And that is for all of the people who happen to be listening in live Right now, if you're not listening in live, we thank you regardless. But, you know, we do the show Fridays at 8.30. Well, we won't be doing it next Friday at 8. And I guess I could go ahead and tell you guys now because I have a um, a work Christmas party to go to. That's so uh, funny. I'm going to one tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's at a, a country club, like literally 15 minutes down the road. And I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I'm probably going to get a little tipsy and dance to Cupid Shuffle. So yeah, <laughs> that's my plan too. Man, or the the little part 
and uh, tipsy. That uh, okay, yeah. a lot tipsy. It's a cash bar, so like yeah. I don't want to be paying eleven dollars for a Long Island. <laughs> oh, speaking sp- speaking of bar, gotta give I'll actually give a little bit of credit to the people who made that 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 uh, film that pub segment featuring Cesaro and Sabres. Well, by the way, I found out all those people were actually got indie wrestlers from PWX. Thank you for beating the absolute shit out of all those guys and actually getting Cesaro and Shams on the same page, but that's just me. You know, if we were talking about Raw, you know. If we were, and and if we were... I had to give credit. If we were, we might have noticed that Cesaro really doesn't like Guinness because he he might have said, hand me a Guinness. When the bar fight was over, but like he there got it is a drink. No, it's a dark beer, Cass. It, <laughs> it, it, anyway, sewer. <laughs> it's a it's a lager. It's a, anyway. He says, "Hand me a Guinness," and then you know they they cheers and Seamus starts drinking and Cesaro just stares at the drink like, "What am I supposed to do with this?" It was so weird. You know, also if we were talking about Raw, I know we're not, but if we were, I would have to mention how fucking awesome that main event was. Uh, I didn't yeah. give a damn. Mm. I I'm think sorry. that, that, was that that's just that, that that that's just me. I didn't care. I'm sorry, but I didn't care. No disrespect to Sean and Sasha Banks, but it's just that the narrative. If, again, if we were talking about Raw, but for me, it's just if the narrative hasn't changed, and you're saying that those are the only two people important in that division, then I don't care if Sasha Banks and Sean have a good match. They could have a, they could have million good matches all they want, but that's not going to change my mindset on the whole situation. Me personally. Right. So we're going to go to our first call now. That number, that area code is 412. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yo, what's up, fellas? Marco Dayton. Marco? Marco? I recognize that voice. Hey, what's happening? What's up, Marco? So um, it seems like WWE's been playing a lot, just in general, with all their storylines. There's not too much serious stuff going on. Um, there's, like, you have, like, the, t- the world titles, both world titles. They both, um, they seem like they have joke- nothing but jokes going on. Same thing with um, the tag titles. Um, New Day's always mm-hmm. joking around. And then you got Sheamus and Cesaro. Oh, um I mean, the only thing that I can really take serious is, like, the women, you know, the women are trying to be serious and all that. Um, you you think it's meant by design so they can, you know, make the women more serious so the guys are playing around? or um, No. no I think or that, you- honestly, the women, they could stand on their own. If this is a strategy on WWE that we're going to tank the rest of the show, just to make the women stand a little no. taller, I I fucking hate that strategy. Um, so I hope that that is not the case. But even if it is the case, it wouldn't that be funny? Based off of how many people are actually accepting what they're getting from the Universal Title feud, that would, like yeah, if WWE you- is saying we're gonna make this shit so terrible that our women look good in comparison. But people are just A-OK with who they have as champion and A-OK with his presentation and his character and all of that oh, good stuff. So I don't yeah. want to I don't want to hear the bitch in the morning when Roman Reigns wins the belt and he becomes a dual champion after roadblock. End of the line. I don't want to hear <laughs> yeah, it. You have to make sure you put end of the line on there because they're actually going to be like a bad movie. 
sounds yeah, like yeah. a bad movie name. It sounds like some Steven Seagal's shit right there. Yeah. yeah. Starring Dolph Ziggler. Starring Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> you know if they're going to do an elimination chamber anytime soon? I'm just glad they're bringing it back. Like, like, thank you. Now get rid of fucking Fastlane and give Elimination Chamber back to its points. But I think it's going to be exclusive to one brand, though. Yeah, and, and they're going to keep uh, Fastlane. Damn. Because Fastlane is going to go to one, and then Elimination Chamber is going to go to the other. Honestly, I think SmackDown should get Elimination Chamber since Raw has Hell in a Cell just to, you know, mix it up a little bit. I mean, I guess now that Raw already had it, I guess it would make sense to put SmackDown in Elimination Chamber. But when you have, when you have a a pay per view that's centered around a single match stipulation, I really feel like it would be better shared for both shows. Um, but we've already kind of booked ourselves in the corner. Or neither. I, I mean, okay, okay yeah. <laughs> if, if the matches don't warrant that kind of a match, like if the feuds don't warrant yeah. that kind of a match, there's no they reason to have. Yeah, yeah, of course, but. I feel like we kind of already walked into that, you know, that room. So we've got to give SmackDown EC, and you know, we'll only have to hope that, you know, clearly not every single match is going to be in the chamber, um, yeah. nor will every match warrant being in the chamber. But all we can do is hope that it does on paper. Yeah, we. Here's the thing: we don't think, we don't think with WWE. We hope. <laughs> <laughs> with Raw, I mean, I could already see the components. I could see like. Um, Chris Jericho, Kevin Owens, um, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and then they can maybe put Goldberg and Lesnar in that one. And that way they don't have to wrestle for too long. They can kind of meet in that cage. And one of them, they can kind of continue on the rivalry to WrestleMania by doing that somehow. Um, I don't know who they would put for SmackDown. How about this? Don't put Goldberg and Lesnar in the same ring at the same time at all. <laughs> Apparently, we're in the minority on that one. Yeah. Well, I People mean, I would love those two they're guys. They're going to be in the same ring. If they're going to be in the same ring, just don't put them in a match one on one. Kind of put them in a match where, you know, yeah, I would say like elimination chamber, so they can, you know, get their hands on each other. Goldberg can showcase some things against other people. You know, slam Chris Jericho around a little bit and Seth Rollins in. I mean, he could kind of space himself out and then somehow get eliminated. I, but um, yeah. All I'm saying yeah, when I'm it comes to Goldberg, he said he only had oh, one spear and one jackhammer left. So what the hell else is he gonna do now? And not much. Oh, cash money, Brandon. No, um, cash money, Brandon said no. It must be Goldberg versus Roman. Do you want the air that to blow up? <laughs> <laughs> What you know? What I would actually like love to see that match just for the purpose of showing people how full of shit they are. Exactly. Because I don't mean you to... have Goldberg come out there, everybody's gonna be cheering for him, and you have him in the ring with Roman Reigns, and people are gonna try to boo that guy out of the motherfucking building. And I would love for Goldberg and Roman Reigns to get into the ring and show everyone <laughs> who has more moves, who's more athletic. And who's the overall better wrestler? Clearly, yes, like, yes, he would want to see the air nipple. I'd love to see that because, like, here you have all these people who are hypocrites who are booing Roman, and here you have the stereotype that you think Roman fulfills in his opposition. Mm-hmm. And when you see when you see him beat his stereotype, mm-hmm. 
then that disproves your hate. Like at that point, if if for no other reason, I'd like to see it just to shut everybody else up. And of course, they're not gonna shut up. But, but it's not gonna work that way. So of course <laughs> not. So wishful thinking. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Anything else for us, Marco? Uh, you see TNA last night? Um, I did not catch up on TNA this week. I'll be honest with you, man. Like TNA is kind of like falling off the waist side for me a bit because it's just trying to keep up with all these wrestling programs. It's just, um, but I did see a clip featuring um, the uh, the the Broken Hardys versus uh, I think it's called the DCC. Yeah. Am I right? The D. Yeah. yeah. Um. Can we please get the DCC off my off the goddamn television screen? Like seriously, why are you turning James Storm damn heel after you brought him back as the ass kicking cowboy that I so love to see? But yet you are throwing him into a rejection of Aces and H, which is one of the worst groups in wrestling history. I don't care. You can try to argue that, but anyway, this is not the oh, TNA no, discussion. No, no, no. No, um, they ended the show with um a main with a six sides of steel main event featuring um Rosemary oh, and Rosemary and Jade. Jade. Yeah. I saw the Yeah, they were um I don't know if that has something to do with like WWE pushing women so they feel they have to push women. It's like that. I mean the match itself was okay. It's just um and no one was really they're in, not the in the arena. position. Here's the thing, they're not in the position to do anything of what WWE is trying to do, so I don't even know if that really was the plan. I don't know why they're trying. Like, maybe maybe as a company they're trying to capitalize on it, but it's just like you putting Rosemary and Jade, two females that unfortunately do not have as much mainstream talk as Charlotte and Sasha Banks do, but if they, but if they made event with the women on their show, then by golly, good for them. But, I mean, I mean it's not really going to make a difference. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Well, all right. Well, thank you very much, guys. Um, I will listen to you and talk to you guys next week. All right, Marco. All right, thanks right. for calling in, Marco. Keep us posted. All right, be safe. You too. Peace. Our next caller is from 951. The 951. Hey, what's up, guys? Daryl from Los Angeles. What's up, Daryl? What's going on? What's going on, Daryl? What's up, guys? Long time no talk. Um, I guess I just wanted to make a larger point. Um, make talk about what you guys are talking about, and then real time to my larger point. Um, mm-hmm. first with the women, you guys were talking about uh how some people watch the matches hoping that they'll fail. Mm-hmm. I guess like. Yeah, I guess like I'm uh my perspective being a huge like, you know, Sasha Mark that I am and uh Charlotte's pretty cool, you know. Um but when I watch their matches, even going back to NXT, I think that um the bigger like us as wrestling fans watch them and we know their history on the main roster and we're kind of watching it expecting them to botch, not to fail, but just like we're kind of like they bought in all of yeah, their main roster matches. Sasha and Charlotte. And I think it comes from their yeah. overambition with their spots. You know, like, I, mm-hmm. I mean, like, in the Hel- yeah, in the Hell in a Cell, I can't really 
Um, I, I, I completely defend that. Like that wasn't their fault that the table didn't break and the finish didn't come off good. You know, yeah. I feel like if, if Charlotte had actually thrown Sasha to the table and then hit a natural selection, you know, the perception of that match goes up, you know, but, uh, well, yeah. I do have to say Sasha did set up that table incorrectly. That's not how people yeah, yeah, set yeah. up tables when the plan is to throw them through it. But that's still my home yeah, girl. And with, uh, back to, that goes to what Kaz said, is that, like, yeah, we when, when they get put in these gimmick matches, is like, I'm sure, like, Sasha and Charlie have, like, a million ideas they throw out, and but, like, some probably things they haven't even practiced, just things they think they can do. Like, most of their botches, I mm-hmm. think it's mostly... It comes off as Charlotte's fault, but I think it's just like like when when Sasha nearly kills herself on a dive, or like when Charlotte did that backbreaker spot. Like it's it's more like on Charlotte because she's the stronger one and she's trying to catch like ninety pound Sasha. You know what I mean? Mhm. Yeah, that's what I just wanted to say on them. Um, the false count anywhere match was amazing, um, but I do think it's getting okay. a little repetitive. Yeah, I, I just think it, it is getting a little repetitive. Um, but to there you go. This point earlier, That's what I've been saying. I, uh, well, my, um, I guess on the other side of that would be like if you didn't give Sasha the title, you, uh, Kaz was suggesting Sasha versus Naya, and I don't want that like at all. I don't want Sasha to be fed to Naya because that, that, that would be Kaz with WWE's mentality. Sasha would only be fed to Naya. and we already wonder okay, about yeah. Sasha getting hurt. Like you have to think of the weight disparity in those matches. Not saying that uh, they wouldn't be able to pull it off, but mm. just, I I don't after Sasha gets said Naya, like what does Sasha do then? You know. Let me go ahead and ask you this question: With as much as WWE has invested in Sasha Banks at this point, do you think that that's a realistic possibility that she'll just be fed to Nia Jax? Oh, very much. Well. I mean, very much so. Like, then there's nothing against Nia. It's just that I like, she's just one of those people that I feel got called up, like too soon. Like, she deserved uh, an oh, yeah. women's agree. title run. She did. Yeah, she deserved. Mm-hmm. She she did deserve that. And like, she's one. It's like they called her up she and they haven't that, done anything with her. You know, like she's going. She's going to be the one. Um, Oscar's opponent at uh, the Osaka event. You know, and it's just like, well, why'd you call her up in the first place? Like, you know. But, um, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, it's just weird. Like it's so weird. And people like isn't. I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and get this out of the way, because it's just this bothers me so much. Because while Sasha Banks versus Charlotte again, we were talking about Raw, which we will not be. But Charlotte and Sasha <laughs> Banks, like I said, they can have as many good matches in the main event of Raw on a pay per view all they want. But I'm sorry, but for me, I just cannot get invested anymore now if they would have done something like this like a good like month or two months down the line then i'd be completely fine with it but it's just we're getting to a point right now where this is becoming very very frequently and also when it turns like the, the back and the forth with the championship it's like i've always i'm always going to say this you can have the championship like hot potato it all depends on the division and it all depends on the people like, it all depends on the stars and their credibility. Charlotte and Sasha Banks, they're the right two people to do this with. But I am telling you, I guarantee you this, if it gets too frequent, if it gets too frequent and if it gets too done so often that there's no timetable or good length in order to give these women time and actual good range, I guarantee you 
fans will turn on this quickly. I am sorry, but it is just a fact, especially with wrestling fans with such short-minded, like, they, they, they're not willing to wait. Like, they're just not willing to wait. And I'm telling you, if they don't stop doing this and they keep doing it, the fans are just going to turn on. But I'm sorry, but that's just a fact. Well, I think we're already there a little bit. I mean, the fact that we're all basically saying we're getting tired of Hot Potato and the back and forth of Sasha and Charlotte, think about it. Sasha has now had three women's title reigns mm. in a single year. And, you know, this is where that whole booking for moments seems to shoot WWE in the foot because if you were going to tell me that Charlotte was going to defeat Sasha in her hometown and Sasha was going to beat Charlotte in her hometown and those were the only two swaps you made, I would have been okay with that. But the fact that Sasha's already Mm -hmm. had three title runs kind of starts to devalue the title. I mean, I understand both Sasha and Charlotte are worthy of a title run. They're They're both credible contenders, but this is where we go back to the point we made earlier. You have to start bringing up other talent and making them seem mm-hmm. legitimate. And I would enjoy a Sasha Nia match if we could make Nia seem credible because the fact that she's already tapped out in a multi woman match. Which I disagree me, with completely still. Yeah, it, it says to me, like, how am I supposed to believe she's credible? How am I supposed to believe that she's going to be what you're going to make her? And that is like a bull in a china shop. Yeah. How am I supposed to believe that, you know, how am I supposed to take her seriously? When you got beat by what we're supposed to believe is the other company's like least least credible uh, superstar. Not to say Becky's not credible, but the Raw, you know, Raw would say, "Oh, we're better than SmackDown." So like, if we're buying into that narrative, like you got beat by the other team and by somebody who is under like a hundred pounds less than you, like what's what's going on here? See, I would just like to clarify my position on this whole Sasha Banks and Charlotte thing. I think that with with the match that happened on Raw. That was a proper ending to this Sasha Banks and Charlotte saga. If that is the end, they're gonna get another match at Roblox, Jay. They're gonna get another match at Roblox. Okay, and if if we get to that point, maybe I'll complain about it then. Maybe I'll complain about it then. I'm saying for what we have gotten up to this point, I'm cool with it. Actually, I'm more than cool with it. I've really fucking enjoyed what we've gotten out of Sasha Banks and Charlotte. Now, when Dalton, you say things like, you know, this hot potato going back and forth, it's devaluing the championship. I don't think that that title is at a point where I would be comfortable with having a conversation like that and judging it by those standards. Because if you look at the things that they have done, they performed at a very high level, higher than any women in WWE history have ever performed at. And with those things that they have been doing, with them making history, that does, it it changes things. It changes the standards. And I think them performing at that high level, that provides credibility to the championship, even if we are getting these matches over and over again. So I think that if you look at where that title was before we got Sasha, Charlotte, Sasha, Charlotte, Sasha, Charlotte, it's better I'm off saying, now. I'm, I'm just, I'm just personally saying from my personal perspective, they says you can have these type of matches, but just don't make them like very frequently. Like didn't we just see like Charlotte just win the title last month. And then Sasha Banks the month prior, like I said, if you would have like done this, like a good, like two months down the line, then, yeah, I'd be, I'd be completely fine with it, but it's just we got to get some progression moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's time to split them up and go their separate ways. Quickly, quickly, Jay. Is it because the women's title has been featured in 
historic matches that it seems to be gaining some prestige, or is it that matters? Sasha and I mean, it does, it does, but I mean, isn't there something to be said about uh, you could you, okay? I could see both sides because you could argue that both Sasha and Charlotte want that title so bad they're willing to put their bodies through hell and whatever kind of cockamamie match you could put them together in to get it. And, and I, I understand that. But at the same time, is it the match that gives the title prestige or is it the women putting in the work? It's the overall situation. I don't think that you can separate the two. Hey, they we go still got our hand. As our man Daryl still on the line, I apologize. I had to bring I had to bring up that topic from for me. No, like, no, I just no, I, I, just I couldn't hold that anymore. No, I was listening to everything you guys said, and I think that a larger point is the whole situation and why Sasha and Charlotte are monopolizing the division because there's no one in the undercard to bring to elevate Bailey or um, Nia Jax. Summer Rae and like Emma. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> oh well, no, Summer Rae is not even being utilized. I would say like it's more like Emma's injury and repackaging that's going on and. I, yeah. I mean, like, if if Emma comes back as a, I mean, like, her as a face didn't work the first time, but I almost feel like she has to come back as a face because there's no other, like, we already have three uh, pretty good heels, you know, so, I don't know. But, um, I, I honestly to, don't see it for Emma. I don't. Uh, well, I think they just brought her up and she just got injured. She was supposed to be with Dana Brooke and then that just kind of went to hell, so. Right. I had one more point, though. I wanted to uh, right. talk about um, – I kind of want to tie together this whole, like, um, uh, like I want to tie together the Cruiserweight division, really, and, like, when you guys are talking about booking, robbing book for moments and stuff. And I guess my larger point mm-hmm. is that WWE doesn't – I think that WWE establishes a plan, and when something changes, they – are not malleable. They, they don't. They're not very good on the fly. And what I mean by that is, um, we can look at uh, Raw. Um, and I'm honestly, as a fan, I'm willing to give them a pass on Raw because of mainly Finn Balor's injury and how that really just screwed them up for the this whole season. You know, towards the end, like their end of year plans and how you can see it in the booking and how it's just basically the that's very generous Owen, of you. <laughs> I, I know it's very, I knew I knew you would disagree, Jay. But th- to me personally, like I'm I'm willing to give them a pass, and uh, the reason is that I believe that WWE. Here's where I'll give them credit. They've they've been able to create their own alternative within their company. You know, like you have SmackDown, you have NXT, even 205 Live. You know, you can go back and watch old matches on the network. You know, you don't need Raw. You know, to get your wrestling content, you know, even without Lord, thank outside God. Indie, <laughs> indie promotions. But um, uh, the bigger uh, point is this whole 205 Live Cruiserweight division situation and how I feel like... Which is um, a fail. Exa- yeah, which is a big fail, but, th- but I think that there are other factors to it failing that, you know, it's hard for... We see the progress and we're like, oh, this is crap. But, um, you know, like even going back to the Cruiserweight Classic, we all know TJP wasn't supposed to be the champion. It was supposed to be ZSJ or Kota Ibushi. And, you know, what happens, what is WWE supposed to do when Kota Ibushi and ZSJ both say, hey, I don't want to, we're not signing with the company. Because you know? they knew what they was should've... up. That's why. Yeah. yeah they, well, <laughs> they knew they, what was coming. You, you could say that, but they knew what was coming in the whole, they're not going to be treated. If you mean by they're not going to be treated as 
everyone else, we're going to be in this division that's not even really a part of the rest of the WWE universe. And yeah, I cannot blame them one, one bit, but you do have to think about if they had signed on, how great would the cruiserweight division be if it was ZSJ and Kota Bushi and Cedric Alexander and even TJP or Brian Kendrick, you know, and you, and we didn't, and maybe they wouldn't have signed Drew Gulak or Tony. So some of them, maybe the unpolished guys that we talk about don't have the mic skills and maybe 205 live. You could have had, you know, ZSJ versus Kota Bushi one week. You know, how awesome would we be talking about that? You know, so I just think that there are some things that we don't think about that, 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 that could change the perception, it, you know, of, Go I've ahead, actually ahead, thought about those things, and I just well, want to say, uh, well, then I point guess my one, be, what would you guys think? Yeah. Well, I'll put it like this. When it comes to Finn Balor and him unfortunately getting injured and them having to change their plans, I applaud you for giving WWE the benefit of the doubt and saying that they had to do things differently, and they may hit some roadblocks into the line oh, with, uh, with oh, uh, no, Finn well, Balor Jay, getting injured. Okay. Can I clarify, Jay? Oh, no. I meant, well, sure. I give them credit. My, my point is that they're not, I, I like, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, when I'm seeing Seth Rollins using a sling blade in a match, I'm just like, well, this yeah. whole show would just be better if Finn Balor was just here. You know, like, they're trying to well, not change Seth Rollins all the way face when they really needed to. He needed to be the true right. face now that Raw, now that, Finn was gone, and you have to think like Finn would have been the champion with uh, Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho chasing him, and this would have been even better. I think you know we do have that. You would have had the Kevin Owens and Jericho comedy, but they would have actually you know been had a foil and not just running the entire show. Well, here's my thing with that. You say the show would have been better if Finn Balor was there. They fucked up when Finn Balor was there. That feud. That established the Universal Championship sucked. They they were terrible. They were I terrible like with so, the introduction of, the that, of the demon character. Yeah, I didn't agree with giving away the demon character on Raw. That you you were absolutely right about that day. And then the the fans hijacking the match didn't help over the look of the Universal title. Mm-hmm. But I would say. It's just my my subjective opinion. I yeah, feel Finn ain't nothing but Finn, a jacket. Finn Balor's presence would have been uh, that is totally untrue, Kaz. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I feel Finn Balor's presence would have you know not been it would have added to the product, and maybe we'd be looking at this a little bit differently. Well, I mean, well, that yeah. definitely like is one of those scenarios that I wish I could look at. In an alternate universe, like what if Finn Balor didn't get injured? Like how would his presence on Monday Night Raw affect the show from the top down? Like what are they doing even outside of Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho, Seth Rollins, the main event stuff? What are they doing because Finn Balor is gone? So um, that definitely brings up an interesting point. And I wish that, you know, we were in some kind of alternate universe where we could see. Because, you know, I, I would love to know. You know, if Finn Balor was on Raw, would I have stopped watching? Would I, you know, still be watching the show? So, well, yeah, mean, it definitely does change things. Yeah, yeah, you'll never see it because you're, you're still on Gilligan's Island all by yourself. So it's just like. <laughs> now, this is see? Jay's Island. I have to think of the name of my island. 
Wait, Cass, aren't you on the other side of the island fishing because neither of you watch Raw? <laughs> no, this is a different kind of island. This is the island that uh, gives a damn about storytelling and stuff like that. Cass is, like, somewhere around. But, you know, he swims off every now and again and, you know, does his own thing. In the deserts. <laughs> so how there's a sw- desert next to the island? How, yeah, how, do you swim, how do you swim in a desert? Maybe he likes to walk, you know. It's the, it's the mirages right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, right. thank you for calling in, Daryl. Thanks, Daryl. Thank you, guys. See you next time. Okay. All righty. Talk to you later. Okay, this is actually going to be our last call of the night. 915. So, guys, it's uh, Aaron. It's been a long time since I called. What up, Aaron? Hey, Aaron, what's going on? That's going good. All right, what you got? Well, I guess my question, problem. Oh, <laughs> I guess it would be about Finn Balor. Like, say if he were to come back, if he wins the the Royal Rumble, do you think he should oh, fight Roman no. Reigns or Kevin Owens? Kevin Owens, obviously. Because you don't think like, I said, no, Kevin no, Owens I said, no, title. I, I take that back. Put him up against Roman Reigns. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Put him up against Roman Reigns because I need to see a conclusion for what Roman Reigns said after he lost to Finn Balor in that match, which was That's a really exactly good match. And about. I think Roman Reigns uh, works a nice heel style. Actually, Finn Balor does too. He had a match down in NXT. He worked a nice heel. Style. Ain't nothing but a jacket. That's actually a, a hard question for me because I actually see source material for both feuds because I, I could see. Uh, if he were to go with Kevin Owens, how Kevin Owens could kind of say, like, well, this is what I built while you were gone. I carried this show. You know, you could never do what I did. I've developed a friendship, and I, I, you know, I am the one who holds the title. This title is under my reign. I'm not saying it. Uh, clearly, I'm not doing it justice. Kevin Owens would do it more justice. But I could see that source material. Yeah, doing but it justice But at the same now. time. <laughs> no. <laughs> but at the same time, um, I, could, I would much more prefer, I think, in the long run, Roman Reigns being the opposition because of where they were actually changing Roman's character to address the fact that he was showing vulnerability when Finn Balor came out of nowhere and beat him. Um, so I guess I guess I'd choose Roman Reigns, but, but only by but, a slight but, margin. Yeah, but here's the thing: you say like he's carrying, like Kevin Owens could say that he's been carrying that brand on his back, but he's been carrying something else, and that's 250 pounds of him. So I don't know what else. You, actually, what else Chris Jericho was carrying uh, him. Of doom. That's true. I'm sorry. I'm taking shots at everybody. <laughs> I think he's a little more than that. Isn't he like but 270, 280? It says 266 on 265. Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere around there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else, Aaron? Do you, think be, do you think they will turn him heel at WrestleMania? If that does happen, probably won't, though. Wait, turn Finn Balor or Roman Reigns heel? Well, who who would you rather see, like, turn heel? I'd like to see Roman Reigns heel turn. Even though I I don't think that's the answer. I think, I think that's everyone's hope is that Roman Reigns turns, but... Um, but is the thing is... No, 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 no. I, I'm not necessarily saying that that's the answer. There is a pathway to success for Roman Reigns as a face. I'm, I'm, I'm not viewing this from the lens of, oh, everybody needs a heel turn or anytime a character is fucked up, 
heel turn. That's the answer. I'm just saying that I think that it would be very interesting for Roman Reigns to be a heel. Yeah, seeing that black, that long black wavy hair like like coming down the side, like sit y'all's fat asses down and drink your beer. Yeah, yeah, that's a good heel. Yeah, we go with that. And then look at Jay just going like, yeah, yeah, I'll take anything. Because <laughs> I bet if if Finn didn't get hurt, you know, I think the club would have been his his lackeys. You know, for Finn Balor. Hmm. Oh, I always yeah, thought that would have been the plan. Yeah, Man, they got a bone people. to pick with him for getting hurt. Here's yeah. the thing, people. Finn Balor is part of the Golden Children. He is one of the Golden Children picked by Triple H. He got – this is Triple H's booking. It's fine. It's credit Chase offer for this. Finn Balor is one of the Golden Children. I'm telling you, it's true. See, the whole company is going to be full of Golden Children pretty soon. <laughs> Daddy, we got mouth to feed. <laughs> They're all gonna be complaining like you said I was your number one. <laughs> They're just gonna create titles for everybody. You know, Scott says in the chat says once Roman turns a heel, the audience will start to cheer cheer for him, and they will be right back to square square one. Yep, I agree. I don't. You just have to keep switching it up like every two weeks to keep them on their toes. Every face two turn, weeks. heel turn, face turn, heel turn. There you go. And why not just make them a tweener? I mean, that could work too. All right, anything else, Aaron? Uh, I think that's it. Righty, thank you for calling in. Thanks, Aaron. No problem. Right. Peace. Okay, anything more before we head off air tonight? Uh, real quick, Jay, just because I promised my buddy I would. Um, the Christmas party I'm going to tomorrow, I just want to give a quick shout-out to my supervisor because I'm cheesy like that. Casey, what's up? I see you. Um, yeah, I'm going to be Are really they listening in? Huh? You said you're giving a sh- shout-out to your supervisor. Yeah, because he's a really good wrestling fan, and I told him I would. So. Is that the guy you told me that thing about? Uh, that's a little too vague for me to be able to give you an answer. I don't want to say it on air because it's kind of like really bad. Uh, then it probably isn't because you've I've never spoken about this guy in private. So no, I remember you said like something really really bad about him before. Wait, man, quit trolling. Yeah. <laughs> man, you're gonna throw me under the bus <laughs> so bad. I'm just joking. Just joking. Just yeah, yeah, dude, you're gonna cost me my job. What are you doing? <laughs> My lease isn't up till April, man. This is this is messed up. <laughs> all right, Cass, anything? Well, I know we didn't talk about TLC at all, which was the point, but I'm pretty sure that TLC this Sunday, we got a pretty good card. I'm just going to shoot my quick predictions, and I mean quick. AJ Styles retains, Undertaker returns to set up that matchup. Alexa Bliss, I think, will become the new women's champion. Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton, we get new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Baron Corbin beats the shit out of Mosquito Kalisto <laughs> in that damn chairs <laughs> match. And um, what else? What else? What else? What else? Oh, yes. And um, Miz and Dolph Ziggler will steal the show. Hope Miz walks out with the championship and we can get away from this damn fuck Dolph Ziggler versus the Miz shit once and for all over. And there you go. Good night. 
Sounds good to me. Righty. If that is all, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. And we will catch you next week. We'll probably be on on Thursday, since I won't be available on Friday. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Peace. Very nice.